Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. However you found us, we're so glad you're here as we get behind the scenes with the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host, Brian, and joining us tonight, we're hoping they're on the nice list this year. Kenny, Ryan, how's it going tonight? I'm definitely on the naughty list. Where do I go to find out? (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be a fact checker. Is there a Google Doc somewhere? It's a spreadsheet. You just got to control F and find it. We're failing forward always. So those are those are the mistakes that put you on the naughty list when you fail forward. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I read my son's, my youngest son's uh, list to Santa or note to Santa this evening. And, and it went through what he was wanting for Christmas. And it said, I've not been very good this year, but I've tried really hard. Would you concur with his, his actions or were they deemed... Uh, less than stellar for the presence this year. You know, I don't. I don't think anyone could ever do anything to to really strike down. And my sister, at one point in time, they filled their stockings with rocks just to say, "Hey, you got presents, but you know, next time, do a little bit better of a job." Harsh. But uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. That'll scar a kid. <laughs> well, we have an episode tonight that we are going to get into. If you didn't see the press release that is dropping all around as well. We're going to try and time it all at the same time, but we are talking about the newest products that we have coming out in the Pursuit United line, and that is the Oak Collection. And we talked about this a couple of episodes back, about the middle of the year, where we just talked generally about finished whiskey, and we started talking through the R&D of a project such as this. And fast forwarding, here we are. And that product is going out to market. So I wanted to kind of get through maybe some of the things that have changed, maybe the the ways that that process has moved along and try and really think about what it looks like for Pursuit as a brand to position themselves in this finished market, in this Oak Collection series that we're starting to see here. So either of you all jump in and we'll start breaking it down. Yeah, I'll jump in real quick. And I think it'd be good to just kind of note that I don't remember when the last time we talked about it, but Ryan always reiterates that anything in this business takes around six to eight months. So if it was about six months ago, you heard the episode, we talked about it. Well, here we are. That's about how long it takes to finally see something to come to fruition. So this is a a natural line extension, to be honest, of, of what we're seeing with inside of the Pursuit United brand. For us, I think it's pretty exciting only because not only we're we taking some the ability to be able to do blends and even custom blends, be able to match them with certain types of wood and oak finishes. So for the bourbon, for this one, Ryan, and by the way, I got a hats off, tip of the hat to Ryan, because Ryan is the one that's doing all of the R&D, doing all the heavy lifting of trying to do, seeing what the blends are going to be like, what kind of finishes, what do they taste like, how long do we need to wait, so on and so forth. So this has been Yet another project that Ryan can put uh, underneath his belt and kind of just saying, or should I say, maybe in his resume when he starts looking for another job somewhere, because this is definitely yet another one where you could look at him as saying, this is this is one thing that he came up with. But Kenny's it was just trying to pawn off all the criticism, if any comes towards me. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's, <there> <laughs> it's all directed towards me. No, I'm yes, kidding. yes. Be like, no, 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 I, I, I wanted, I wanted port. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it was one of those things that this has been a, like I said, it's a long time coming, but for us, it's pretty exciting because now we get to start venturing off into yet another world. I know that even Pursuit United Bourbon and Pursuit United Rye are still relatively young in its infancy. 
but we kind of have to look at, see, what does the market want? And everything is really gravitating and shifting towards doing some sort of extension of flavored whiskeys, if you will. And that's when I say flavored, finished in some sort of way. And that's just really what the market's going to bear. To be honest, I mean, it's it's really hard for a somebody to come out with a traditional bourbon and have that really sort of start hitting the radar because we've seen it time and time again on some messages and threads and stuff like that. Be like, yeah, you know, it looks interesting, but there's just not enough there to like pull me in because yes, we're doing four to six year old whiskey blends and maybe it's not the the age statement somebody wants. But if we said, oh, it was finished in XYZ cask, all of a sudden people go, oh, okay, I'll take a chance. So it's, it's twofold. Now we get to sit there and, and help people that are those curious bourbon drinkers, people that love toasted products, because dear Lord, if you don't have a toasted product, you're not a real whiskey company. So now we can say that we have a toasted product. We have added that to our portfolio. And so it's just one thing that we'll be able to look and figure out exactly what's the market reaction to it. What do we want to do going forward? Uh, because we can create different blends. We can do different oak finishes. Do we make one of these a staple where we take it to a larger scale? I think those are those are going to be TBD based on sort of uh, you know, what we're going to hear and what we're going to see inside the market. This is one uh, concept that I really had trouble with wrapping my head around and like trying to convince the ourselves that we need to be in this category. Everyone's coming out with a toasted something. It's just like the trend that everyone's... Uh, latching onto. And uh, I, I joke around. I think I'm just convinced that people just want flavored whiskey because when researching and trying, you know, different products, you know, trying to see what would be our place in this uh, space, you know, it's like, man, people either just love really bitter whiskey or they love really like just sweet whiskey or they love like, I don't, it, it, it's fascinating, but uh, it, it, so it took me a long time to get comfortable with saying, okay, this is something that I feel like we should get into and something that we can excel in. And the previous, you know, United Blends took me about a year. This one took me about six to eight months. First, it took me a while to get the blend that I wanted to use in it. And then second, a while of figuring out the right components, the percentages of them, you know, how do they balance each other out? There's some great toasted products out there, but I didn't want just another toasted product. If you're looking for like Woodford Double Oaked or Michter's Toasted, you know, you can get that already. I just find those they're good, but they're very one dimensional. My goal in this whole wood finishing thing is to really, I want to complement the distillates we're working with. I don't want the finishing to be the the main component. And so that was a, that was a challenge, something I loved doing. It was exciting. I, you know, play around with all the different woods, different char levels, different toast levels. How long do you leave it in? How does it, what if you do two different components and then blend them back together? How does that workout. And so, uh, you know, I'm kind of nervous to see what the market feedback is, but I'm really confident too. I felt like our mission with this project really will highlight itself in the bottle that we really focused on complementing the distillate and making there, there be balance and flavor and a ton of interesting flavors that you might not get in a toaster product you might or a what wine finished product. There's going to be a layers and layers of flavor that, that you're going to get from the way we approach this. So Ryan, one of the things that you had mentioned on the previous episode that we talked about, and and you just kind of talked about it here about finding that base blend that you are using, you kind of talked for a while in that past episode about, you know, roughly what that blend was going to look like with the components that you had. And on other episodes, we've talked about 
the fluctuation with the barrels that you all have access to, what you're doing with the blend. Um, did that come to fruition? Like what you initially envisioned for your base product or, you know, what did that look like over these last, you know, six to eight months or so to, to land on maybe the profile that you were looking for that you thought would work best for this? And, and again, we're talking about two products here, both the bourbon and the rye are going to be coming out. So, you know, maybe a little bit on both sides of those. With the bourbon blend, uh, the actual whiskeys we had all along, that these were in our inventory and I really felt comfortable with that. What I didn't feel comfortable with was the, the types of different woods and toasts we were going to use to really find that balance. You know, it, I think when we talked, whenever that was, six to eight months ago, I think I was doing like a blend of French and American oak, but they were together, not independent. And then just through time, I found like, you know, I think it's just so, it's like too bitter and it's kind of tannicky. And so what I ended up doing was splitting them in half you know, the components in half and then aging half of the bourbon in a French oak light toast and a American oak medium toast, aging them independent and then bringing them back together. And it really balanced each other out. And I think originally too, I was using a French oak medium toast, which was a lot more robust and bitter with the, those that, that strong French oak presence. And so it really just took a lot of trial and error to really dial this one in. And I'll say from my side, next time we do this, let's only release one at a time. Going, going and doubling Jeez. down and doing bourbon and rye at the same exact time, it's two different things, different products. I think we'll have to just go ahead and focus on one and hold it back and just have another release later. I think that's one of the things that we'll probably try to do a little bit next time going into this, only because there is a lot of logistics involved when it comes to bottling, when it comes to everything to make sure the products are great. But at least for this first go around, I am excited to be able to release a bourbon and a rye at the same exact time only because it's just really great to get them out there and then you can get them on the shelf and you can have your orange and your green foil right next to each other with the new pretty blue labels. So from a hobbyist and just a bourbon enthusiast standpoint, I'm kind of excited for that. And originally a rye wasn't even in the plan. It was, we were just going to do a bourbon That's true. and uh, we were able to graciously acquire some more inventory from Sagamore. And, uh, you know, we thought this would be a good, since we were already doing the bourbon, I went out and just started trying woods, different wood products for this rye because it's it interacts totally differently than the uh, you know than the bourbon does to to different woods. And so I went through you know similar process. I probably went through 10, 15 different flavor profiles of wood finishes to make you know complements the this incredible rye whiskey blend that you know people are become so fond of. I really didn't want to take away from that because it's it's such a good product on its own that I didn't want to ruin it because it's, you know, been received very well. And a lot of people are big fans of it. You talked about maybe changing it up a little bit, but still kind of landing on American and French oak for the bourbon. What did you end up choosing for the rye and what made you lean that direction? With the rye, we went with a sherry, a sherry cast staves that had been in a French Revere oak. So people will ask, what's French Revere oak? Well, it means the cask were, the staves were seasoned for 36 months before becoming a staves for barrels. And so it just like married so well together. Like I tried like, you know, French and American, you know, with this rye and it just, it never really like complimented it. It just either was too bitter or too sweet or like really brought out like the clove notes or the spice notes and it just kind of just made it meh whereas the sherry french revere just really like elevated some of the the richness that you get with this blend 
but also like brought out some more like just fruitier notes and cobbler and rich. It just added this layer of decadency to to the product that uh, I think will help elevate it. You know, I'm a huge fan of our rye whiskey and that I was really cautious and didn't want to screw it up. So I, I feel like this was a, a perfect wood and stave to, to use for this product. I'm actually drinking it right now as we're going through this. So when I compare this to, I actually don't have the other one to compare it to, but it does drink more like a, a typical rye. Sometimes it does have a bit more, more spice to it. Not to say it's a rye spice, but definitely has a little more just spiced character to it. But you do just get that subtle note of, of sherry in there too. And that's, I think that I really liked about these blends is that, well, the blends in that mostly the finishes is the fact that it's not overly finished. I know we've talked about all the time, we've had the opportunity to sample a lot of other people's toasted products. And whether it's toasted or whether it's finished, a lot of people tend to skew towards way more the finished where it almost tastes artificial to a point, which I don't feel any of these really get to that. It's the point where the blend is still shining through, is still the main character, but you get just a little bit of the finish that adds a little bit of another layer of complexity in there that I think is, it's really just a, a really awesome product in the day just to be able to have something a little bit different from our standard offering. But this allows you to just, again, add another element, another dimension to it. Yeah, Kenny, I think I agree with a, a lot of that. It, I'd have to maybe sit down for longer to try and think of brands specifically who do finished toasted products and, and the level of influence that they get. But, you know, hearing Ryan talk about the way that he approaches this and wanted to have a, a beautiful balance of the wood and the distillate. And I would say that both of them from notes, we'll do, we'll talk notes a little bit real quick before we get into more questions. I think both of them do what you're accomplishing in the same way, Kenny, that you mentioned. I think that the rye to me is the most, uh, subtle in terms of what it picks up from the oak, but I also don't know exactly everything that would be picked up from it. But what it does do is it brings out a lot of really interesting nuance on the nose and the feedback that we've been hearing already from people with the 7cc rye has been, you know, that it hits right away, especially with the nose. This goes a step further, a lot of expressiveness on the nose. And then it still has all the flavors that you like about the rye. They just lift a little bit richer. There's a little bit more complexity to that. And I think that that's going to be enjoyable for people who maybe hear or see toasted or finished and they get scared off because they've had something that's been overdone. And then even with the bourbon, I think the bourbon, I'm going to be really surprised to hear what people think of it because this one doesn't, it, it gives some of those uh, finished characteristics that you might think of in like a, a double barreled bourbon expression. But what I love about what it does is for uh, a blend base that is leaning that four to six years old, like you all have mentioned, I think that it gives a good amount of like complex wood and oak notes to it that maybe aren't as present in the base Pursuit United blend. And so I think that that just makes it a more refined and enjoyable pour without having to go over the top when it comes to the finishing. Well, I'll pose a question to you all and try to figure out exactly what do you think the future of the Oak Collection should be? Because I'm sort of torn a little bit. I see one side of it where what we could do is we could have 
multiple blends, different finishes, and we could have at least what I would consider skew sprawl to the point where we've got 48 different types of finishes that we've done inside the oak collection. They're all different. They're all little unicorns on their own and sort of thing. Or, or do we land on something that's good and unique as itself and it sells well? So let's go ahead and scale that up. And I think of something analogous to something like Barrel Seagrass or Penelope's The Architect, where it's something that is a staple type of item. It is something that is, you can do it over and over and over again with pretty consistent results versus having a bunch of snowflakes everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn on that. I mean, from a creative creativity standpoint, it'd be fun to, you know, do a bunch of different ones and see what you can come up with. But I think of me as a drinker, I'd like, if I like something, I want it to be recreated, you know, and I want that to be available to me always. And so I kind of leaned more towards that. And two, I guess we'll have to get feedback if, you know, this is what people are looking for or, you know, or if they want those interesting ones offs all the time. These are, these are both really good first, first attempts at it. And so I'm just, I'm anxiously waiting feedback. I'm, I'm insecure as everyone knows. So <laughs> we'll go ahead. I'll give you your feedback now. A minus my friend. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Seven out of 10, right? And that, that's the way, that's the middle of the road way to be able to put it. It's a, you? it's a three out of five on the, the breaking, breaking bourbon, bourbon scale. scale. Yeah, exactly. So Brian, what do you think in regards of a, a whiskey enthusiast or whiskey hobbyist, what would you rather see? Would you rather see something that is good that can be scaled out or something that you just create a bunch of snowflakes they're all different they you all just you just kind of find them and now we've got 50 skews with to deal with like what what do you kind of feel is the right way to do it because there's don't be wrong it's like you you have two two ways to go which is and there there's no wrong answer here so you've got somebody that's like nulu where they've got devil oak honey finish uh Takaji, I mean, you name it, they've got 40 different types of things that they're working with, whether it's rye, bourbon, so on and so forth. And then, yeah, then on the other end, you've got Barrel, you've got Penelope, where they have four or five, six different line items or different barrel finishes, and that's what they go with as their, you know, their mass market item. What do you kind of feel is a a right way to go about it for a, a whiskey enthusiast? Yeah, honestly, it's 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 an interesting question. And I think about it you know, as we've talked in previous episodes about the stock levels that you will have, you've talked about opening up to new markets. You guys have talked about what barrels you will have to go into pick programs. And I think that there are people who want to get involved with the brands in ways that maybe they're not able to right now, or, you know, the pursuit episode bottles we see go out. And I think that the finishing could interact with that a little bit. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a couple of staples provided that customers enjoy it, that that once the product gets out there, you see feedback one way. Again, like I mentioned with this bourbon specifically, while the product is is in the age range that it is, I like that it gives a little bit more oak presence and it's not overly done. However, you know, it's in the name, Pursuit. I'd be curious to see what other flavors could come out. And uh. I don't think that you will have to overdo it but I do think that it will help people continue to stay engaged in the brand. I don't think that this has to mean that there are money grabs all the time, but there are ways that people can re regularly and ongoingly interact and try different expressions, whether this is 
something that's limited to, I don't know, only at a place or retailer in Kentucky, if this is specific markets or something that I was going to get into into a, a question later on, but I'll dive into it as part of an answer to this. I don't know if Ryan has taken some of the different distillates available to see does does the New York play with one finishing more than the way the Kentucky component does. You know, there's I think you all have positioned yourself in the way that you do things where you could have a lot of skews and a lot of different flavors and not, like I said, just for a money grab, but for variants, for a unique mix of flavors that people might not always be able to get. Because most other brands, like you're talking about a new Lou or something, you know, it's it's going to be what? MGP every time. That's what that's what it's going to be. And you all have a little bit of a position where you can change what that's going to be. And you might have a lot wider flavor profiles available. Well, looks like you answered that one for us, didn't you, Brian? <laughs> it all comes down to the name, Pursuit. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think about it. I, I looked at it from an operational perspective. I go, it would be a heck of a lot easier to go, all right, we got this and this is a staple. So let's go ahead and we'll see how well the market reacts and we'll scale it up and we'll take it to multiple places because the SKU's already there. It's easy to do. And I, I say this from an operational perspective. It's because when you want to add a new SKU to a large retailer, it takes time, such as somebody like Kroger. You want to get into Kroger, well, you've got to go and convince somebody at Kroger to go and carry your item. And that is a two to three week process, even for them to go and add their own, add a new SKU into their retail system, be able to go and take care of it. So it's just a, it's another problem of just the the business model of being able to do that. And I think that's the, uh, that's the frustrating thing about it. But at the end of the day, I get it. And you're right. Most of, and we've talked about it on the show before, the modern drinker always wants something different. They want something that is hard, can't get to find. What can I get here that I can't get anywhere else? What's different? What's unique? And I, you know, damned if it's the only time I'll be able to get it, but I want to try it now. And I think that's just what we're going to have to probably play with. And and you're right, Brian. We do have a unique position that we can take whatever barrels that we have at our disposal and create a unique blend that matches a particular type of oak profile. And we can create new products like that. Um, you know, I, bad as it sounds, or should I say, I guess the bad bad is that to create UPCs, and that's that's my problem to deal with as a back-end operations person. But on the front end of it, it, it might actually not be too bad because the next version of, say, Pursuit United with Toasted American and French Oak, well, Ryan just told you it was a light toast on the French and it was a medium toast on the American, correct? Yes. Yep. So the next time he could be, it could be another American Oak toast, but it could have a different flavor profile. It could be another... French oak, but have a different toast. It could have all these different things. So you're still going to get a little bit of variance, even with the same exact UPC. It's got to be good though. We're not just going to, I'm not just going to put crap out there just to like see what sticks. If that was your, your business model, I'd be like, well, Ryan, we should probably, I don't know if if we're jiving here. I don't think we're getting along. It's funny. I got, so I have eight different experiments going on right now. And Kenny's like, wait, wait, we just released one. Why are you on there? I was like, (laughs) I was like, Kenny, you know, these things take eight months or more it's like i gotta start now the process of seeing what's gonna work what's not going to and two you know it's like all right this is our first one you know what did i learn off this one what could 
what can we do to amplify it to make it even better if I go if we go these same paths you know say people really like this and we want to recreate it I want to make it better you know it's like so that's how can we do that as well well yeah and I think you know on a on a similar note to that Ryan and, and I were, were just talking last week he stopped by the roastery and you know I do not on the same scale as as he does or what you all might do in in this particular industry. But, you know, I work on all the blends and profiles for coffees that we have at Quills. And similarly, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to make new blends every year, multiple times a year. And some of those play off the seasonal flavors. Uh, Sometimes it's to try and just be better than what it was before, or it's at the disposal of the components that I have available and how to make those flavors work. And I think that could be an interesting spin. You know, a lot of people would say rye is what they lean to in the wintertime. Why is that? Why is it that they want to drink rye in the wintertime? And are there flavors that could lean into that? And then what would make someone drink rye in the spring or summertime? And when it comes to toasted bourbons, and everyone would say that's a perfect campfire pour. Well, what is it that makes it a perfect campfire pour? And how do you get something that they also want to drink when it's hot? What's what's best with a cube? I like it. I'm, Something's great with a cube. Something that makes a good chilled old fashioned without having to put bitters or without having to, you know, get yourself some, what was that Knob Creek thing I had the other day? Like toasted pecan, something, something, something. I think that was artificial flavoring. But, you know, <laughs> add a little bit of that with some, some rye and you don't have to add simple syrup into your old fashioned. You know, there's so much flavor that could be manipulated when it comes to this oak collection to give people profiles they'll want to drink at certain times and not just like i said for a money grab but a way to interact with something that's right at the time that it's right yeah well this is the whiskey specialty category so if we wanted to add some maple flavoring or some whatever into it to to hit that certain profile you you know we technically could i i I'm still very much the person I feel that we need to stay true to ourselves as bourbon enthusiasts and whiskey enthusiasts that we're just not going to sit there and start adding flavoring and additives to be able to reach a certain profile. But instead, we're trying to do it a more, not to say that even secondary aging is a traditional thing, but it's, I guess that is technically a still a traditional type of process, but you're not sitting there trying to, you know, recharge barrels, add a gallon of pork to it and swish it around and now it's a part of the the process you know we're still just doing straight oak uh, and that's what it is so i'm excited to be able to just continue down that path of just trying making sure that we try to still keep putting out a good product for the people that are fans and and have trusted us as running bourbon pursuit and now that we're getting into this we can say that yeah trust us that we're we're not doctoring anything this is still going to be a a great product in the day that's still going to be something that's more more rye, or sorry, not more rye, but just more whiskey focus at the end of the day. And it's not going to just let the the finish be the dominant character that takes over it. Ryan, let's go back a little bit to, you were just talking about how you have eight trials going on. I want to hear more about the trials that you had prior to batching this together and then how it translated for you uh, in the bottled product that you've been able to try. How did you feel that being, because again, when we were talking about Interstave on the previous episode, that was one of its perks is that you didn't have to go on site to to experiment all the time. It's things that you could do at home, and then you know we're hoping that we're able to scale for replication. Were you able to see that happen the way that you wanted it to? 
Yeah, well, at, at home it scale or it happened much more quickly because we're only uh, working in two hundred mL samples, and you know, so the wood uh, the wood takes over very quickly, and so it was definitely just this being my first our first time in this space, you know, and going through this whole process. I was going to Bardstown every two days and trying it just because I was like, I was just paranoid that it was going to turn too fast because that was my experience at home was that you try it one day and you're like, oh, it's great. If you just give it one more day, how's it going to, and then you come back the next, you're like, well, shit, it just went bitter and green. And it's like, it's ruined. And uh, so I, I was totally paranoid about that. And so I, I went down about every two days to try it and, you know, and even when we pulled it, you know, it's like, like, okay, am I pulling it too soon? I don't know. Am I pulling it? It's like, it's, you're constantly questioning yourself because you want to hit that perfect mark of like that right amount of oak. Um, and it's, it's definitely difficult because you have so many different components going on. I, I feel very confident and happy about the first time we've done this. I've learned a ton and I, I'm excited to work on, you know, what we've learned in this process to help build on it for next time. So what exactly does, and again, we know that the press release and whatnot is going to be floating around as well, but what exactly does this look like compared to a Pursuit United bourbon or rye run, you know, not part of the Oak collection? Are we, what's the bottle size yield gotcha. that, we're, that we're looking at going out here? And, and is it going to all the markets that we're presently in? So right now, this actually, I'm, I'm actually very happy that we got higher yield than we anticipated as we were going through here. I remember when we were sitting there at Bardstown, we were watching the bottles start going by, the cases going in, and we were leaving for lunch. And it was, I think it was at like 293 cases. And I go, they got to be close to being done. I mean, we averaged, I figured 280 to 300 is what we're going to get out of the rye. It's nine barrels worth. And that's what all my calculations ended up being. We come back from lunch. They said it was 334 or 333 or something like that. I'm like, holy Jesus, I, that's way more than we anticipated on on getting, which by and large, it's a it's a good problem to have. I think the first thing to kind of note is, I don't know if that was because we bottled in the wintertime and you start getting the compression of all of the liquid going out of the barrel. Maybe we got some better yield out of it. But anyway, bourbon and rye, we both had around 330 some odd cases. There's only one case difference between the two. Even the bourbon had one more barrel inside the dump. So it's really awesome to be able to see that that type of yield. However, not all states will be getting this. And that is a distributor decision at the end of the day. So right now we're only going to be going to Illinois, which is a going to be a Benny's only release. You're going to have Kentucky. So you're going to see that across the state. New Mexico, in Tennessee, you're only going to see it in Knoxville, and then in Texas as well, and then also Missouri, and of course online at Sealbox. So we're going to be missing about four states that are four different markets in general that we typically distribute to, and that's and this is not our choosing, by the way. So if you are in Colorado, Georgia or Tennessee in a few different markets down there. And you're like, well, why don't I see it? You can ask your distributor why you didn't get it. That's what it comes down to. They they said, no, not this time. So that's why, uh, that's that's kind of what we're sitting at right now. Uh, I'm sure that once this comes out, they get some great, great reviews. Hopefully they'll change their minds. And that might be because maybe we're too young. Maybe it's because 
we're releasing this at the very end of December, which is not the best time to release anything because nobody, everybody's just running around with their chickens with their head cut off right now. But that is just typically the, the way this particular industry works. Yeah, it's wild. This was supposed to be like a, a March bottling. and We didn't get to bottle it till November. So it's a, it's funny how things work out. Do you feel that that delay has has changed the blend at all for you? Like, was there anything that you would have done different in between that time and now? Uh, yeah, gotten bottle shots earlier, done more sales earlier. That's, you know, it's just one of those things you don't know until you know. We're, we're still growing and learning inside of this business and making sure that we are figuring out how to deal with distributors properly is probably the, the number one hurdle that we need to overcome. And this is just one of those lessons that we have to learn as we go forward. Yep. But as far as the whiskey, I mean, more time in the barrel is always good. So it, it worked out. And two, it got me, you know, to experiment more and figure it out and dial it in until we get in. So everything works out for a reason. Ryan, I'm excited to see and hear what people's experiences with this product. Again, at the time of this recording, you're hearing this product could already be out. So, and I did pack about 50 uh, media samples boxes today with my son. So they'll be hitting the, all the media here soon. So they're getting full bottles this time. Lucky you. How about it guys? I'm excited about this project. I think it's going to be really interesting as we start. It's going to be a good way to, from the things that we've talked about and about getting out there and letting people try the brand. And now they'll be able to have kind of a walkthrough. It gives an extra educational step there with the product of being able to try base products and maybe just tiptoe into the the oak finished realm a little bit there. So I'm excited to hear what the media folks have to say. I'm excited to start seeing some articles get picked up about this. And I'm excited to hear from you all what you all think about it if you get a chance. It, send us an email, podcast at pursuitspirits.com when you get a chance to try the oak collection or from the question that Kenny posed earlier on. If there are specific models of finishing that you all think are more interesting, a staple product that you see regularly or changing as it comes to the finishing. What kind of person are you? What do you look for in the product? Let us know. Podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. We'd love to hear. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Pursuit. And until next time, we'll see you all later. Later.